Well, I want to welcome everybody today to part two of our series called Uphill Habits, where we're taking this time of year where many of you are open to making some changes, and hopefully this year actually doing it. Now, the reason I say that is last week as we started the series, I shared with you that 80% of all New Year's resolutions are broken by Valentine's Day, and 92% of all New Year's resolutions are broken by the end of the year. So what this series is all about is giving you some biblical wisdom and some practical tips on how to actually make the changes in your life that you so desperately want. Now, as a way to just quickly recap a little bit of what we talked about last week, last week I said that the, the mistake that most people make is they start with the wrong thing. They start with do instead of starting with who. You remember that? Many people start up here, they say, all right, here's what I want to do. I want to lose weight, or I want to get healthy, or I want to get out of debt, and here's how I'm going to do it, and then that will lead me then to becoming a healthy person or a person that's debt-free. But that's a mistake. We saw it's actually a major mistake. You've got to start here in the center. You've got to start with the who. Who is it that I want to become? And then allow who you want to become, allow that then to drive your behaviors. So who do you want to be as a spouse or as a parent, as a worker, as a Christian? Who is it? And then from there, you then determine, okay, what are the habits that I need to have in place in order to actually be somebody that's like that? Today, what I want to do then is I want to talk to you about this center circle, the how. How do we actually go about getting new habits in our lives? And then next week, I'm going to tell you how to get bad habits out of your life. But before we get to that, though, of how to do all this, I want to remind you that who you are today actually is a result of the habits that you have right now. Who you are is because of the things you habitually do over and over and over again. Duke University, back in 2006, they did a study of people, and they discovered that 40 to 50% of everything that you do in a day is just out of habit and routine. We have this mistake where we think that, you know, everything I do all day long, I'm consciously thinking about it. No, 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 no. Most of it is just routine. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Don't you have a morning routine? Like when your alarm clock goes off in the morning, don't you get up and every morning you have the exact same routine, the exact same order? Now your order, my order, somebody else's order, they may all be different, but you have a particular order that you just go through this sort of morning routine. And then when that's done, you drive to the office and the way you drive to the office is the way you do it every other day. Maybe you stop off at Starbucks or at Sheets or maybe at the Panera Bread or, you know, you get a little breakfast there or something. Every day, you, you sort of go through the same routine. Then you get to work, you follow basically a, a routine there as well. The end of the day rolls around, you drive home. At the evening, you have a routine that you go through. Basically, you surf the same internet sites for about the same amount of time. You watch the same amount of TV. You look at the same amount of social media every day. Then at the end of the day, you have a getting ready for bed routine and you do the exact same thing in the exact same order every single day. And then what do you do? You fall asleep only to wake up and do it all over again. Now, the good news is that means you're already a master of creating new habits. You already have hundreds of habits that you've created. The problem that many of you have is this. All right, how do I break those habits? How do I insert new habits in there? And that's what New Year's resolutions are about, right? You said, I don't like the routine that I'm going through. I want to make some changes this year. But you don't know how. How do I go about actually making changes in my routine? How do I put new habits in? How do I take bad habits out? And so that's what we're going to talk about 
here this morning is exactly how to do that, because thankfully God's Word has so much good wisdom about this very topic. Now, last week we looked at how Jesus had some habits, how Paul had some habits. I want to look at another example from someone in Scripture. His name is Daniel, and Daniel had some habits. And I'm not going to go in deep to his story right now, because we actually did a full series on the life of Daniel last year called Through the Fire. But I want to remind you of something that, that Daniel did. Um, just as a reminder, he's this young Jewish man. He's taken off into captivity by the Babylonians. And it's there in Babylon that we read this. And this is why God allowed him to make such a difference in a foreign land. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, we read, Daniel went into the upstairs of his home where a window faced in the direction of Jerusalem. There, as had become his habit, he knelt down and he prayed three times per day. For Daniel, this one little small habit of every single day, praying three times a day to his God, was allowed, allowed him to make just such a huge difference, not only in his own life, but in the land that he was living. And so my question for you is this, what one little small habit or two habits could you start here in 2021 that would actually help you to become the person that you want to become? Remember, your homework assignment from last week was to figure out who is it that you want to become? That when your funeral comes around and people are giving you your eulogy, what is it that you want them to be saying about you? What was your identity? Who is it that you had become? So what one or two habits can you start right now that will help you to become this type of person? That's what we're going to talk about here this morning. And what I want to do is I actually want to give you sort of three tips for this. And then at the end, I want to give you one habit that I think all of us could start, no matter what our circumstances or situation is that would make a tremendous difference in all of our lives. Now, each of these tips that I'm going to give you today um, is uh, something I'm going to put in the, the form of a question for you. And I, I hope that this, this is really going to help. Before we uh, actually get to those tips, though, I, I want to say that a lot of this uh, series, in addition to the biblical wisdom, has come from two books that I've read that made a, a tremendous difference in my life. One is called The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. The other is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I, I recommend both of those books to you if you're interested in what it is that we're talking about here today. But each of them in their books, they talk about how habits are formed basically through a formula that happens all the time. And I want to draw this out for you. So first of all, we start out here, we have a cue, and then a craving, there's a response, and then there's a reward. Again, every single habit follows this pattern, cue, craving, response and then a reward. Let me give you uh, an example of exactly how this whole thing happens. The cue is you saw a cookie lying there on the counter, and you want to get a reward. And, and the reason you want to get a reward is every moment that you're alive, or actually not alive, but every moment that you're actually awake, because you're not doing this while you're sleeping, but every moment that you're awake, your brain is constantly scanning for how can I get rewarded? And you're doing this subconsciously. You don't even know that you're doing it. Throughout all of human history, 
people have been looking for rewards. It started out with things like food, water, water uh, shelter, sex, how to get warm, how to stay cool. Those are the types of rewards. Today, not only do we look for those types of things, but we also look at things like money, fame, power. All of us are looking for friendship. We're looking for love. Those are the rewards that we're seeking after. And so again, your brain is constantly looking for these cues of how can I get rewarded? So when you see that cookie lying there on the counter, that's a cue that leads to a craving that then leads to a response of, I eat the cookie, that leads to the reward. And what's the reward? Well, the cookie is sweet, or you get the sugar high from that particular cookie that you ate. Now, what you've done there is you've now put an association in your mind that says, oh, I get rewarded anytime I see a cookie. You basically even skip these two steps. Now, what the researchers call this is a feedback loop that basically you start here with the cue, it goes to the craving, response, reward, and that leads right back then to the cue. Again, you've put an association in your mind that if I see a cookie, I'm going to get rewarded, and it just keeps repeating over and over and over again. Let me give you some other examples of this and, and how new habits get formed. Let's say you're at work, and it's been a very frustrating day, and you're stressed out. That's the cue. What do you crave? You crave to feel relief from that stress. You don't want to be stressed anymore. And so one day, just without even thinking about it, you pulled out your phone, you're there at work, and you started surfing through social media. And you watched some funny cat videos and memes, or maybe you got on TikTok and you saw something funny on there. And the reward was you didn't feel stressed anymore. And what you've now done is you've told your brain that there's an association that anytime I have this cue of that I feel stressed, the way to get out of that is to pull out my phone and just mindlessly surf. You see how this is dangerous? How there's many things that you start to associate with reward? Something just as simple as pulling out your phone and surfing through has gotten you now in a habit that anytime you're stressed in life, what do you do? You pull out your phone and you start to surf there. Now, let me give you another example because not all cues are created equal. For example, for some of you, seeing a cookie, that cue of seeing a cookie doesn't lead to a craving. You hate chocolate chip cookies. So let me show you how single cues can be interpreted by different people in different ways. So the cue is your alarm clock goes off. What is it that you crave? You crave to feel more alert. And so you go, you know what? The only way I'm going to feel more alert is I've got to respond by hitting the snooze button so I can get some more sleep. The reward is I'll get the more sleep, and now I'm going to feel alert when I finally wake up. Cue, craving, response, reward. So the alarm clock goes off, you hit the snooze, and now you're rewarded. And your brain is now associated that the way that I feel alert in the morning is only by responding by hitting the snooze button. Now that works fine as long as you've sort of planned that out. You've scheduled that in. But many of you, you're always running late for things. And you're habitually telling people, Sorry, I'm late. You know, I, I hit the snooze one too many times. You see what you've done? You've created a, a habit. You've created a pattern because in your mind, the reward is only gotten if you actually respond 
by hitting that snooze button. But let me give you the same thing. The alarm goes off. What you crave is to be alert. Your response isn't to hit the snooze button. Your response is, oh, I've got to drink a cup of coffee. Because what happens is that temporary caffeine high is going to give me the alertness that I want. I'm going to get rewarded for drinking that. So now your mind has associated that alertness has to do with drinking coffee. So see how one cue, alarm clock, can lead to different cravings, responses, and rewards? So here's the good news. You're already a master at creating new habits. You, you've done thousands of these types of things in your life. And you have all these associations in your mind of, of how you're going to get rewarded. And by the way, this whole thing is also why it's so hard to break bad habits. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Because you're caught up in this feedback loop. Over and over and over again, you just keep doing the same thing. And you don't even know why you do it. Well, it's because of this very thing right here. But you're already the, a master of, of, of doing this, of getting new habits started. So the, the thing is, how do we take this and now apply it to new habits? Well, those are the tips that I want to give you here this morning. So if you're taking notes here today, the, the, the first thing is, how can I make this new habit obvious? How can I make this new habit obvious? In other words, how can you take the cue and make it very, very obvious that, okay, this is what's going to lead now to the craving response, and then that'll ultimately get me to the reward. How do I make the new habit obvious? Back in 2001, British researchers, they decided that they were going to do a, a study on exercise and why do people exercise. So they, they brought in thousands of participants and they grouped them into three different groups. Group A was told, okay, here's what you need to do. Over the next month, exercise as much as what you possibly can and just report back to us how you did. Group B was brought in. They were given the same instruction as A, that exercise as much as you can, report back what you did. However, their instructions were given to them by a personal trainer who gave them very, very high motivation of why they should exercise. What are the health benefits of exercising? And they were actually given promotional materials, books and articles on the benefits of, of exercise. So again, very, very high motivation that Group B got. Group C then was brought in. They were given the same instructions as Group A, that, look, you've got to come in and, and you're going to exercise as much as what you can over the next month. You're going to report back to us what you did. However, Group C was told this. Before you leave, what we want you to do is sit down and write out, how many days a week do you plan on exercising? What time are you going to exercise? How are you going to exercise? And where are you going to exercise? Once the month was done and they got back all the, the reports from people of how much they had exercised, what they discovered was this. Group A and Group B exercised basically the same amount of time. In other words, Group B had gotten a lot of motivation for exercise, but yet all that motivation didn't cause them to exercise any more than Group A. Group C, though, they exercised two and a half times more than what Group A and Group B did. What was the difference? Well, the difference was this. Group C had a cue. They had been cued in, this is when I'm going to exercise, where I'm going to exercise, how I'm going to exercise. They had written it down. They got to see that 
And just that simple act of seeing it gave them then the motivation that they needed. It wasn't reading about it. It wasn't having somebody talking to them about it. It was actually seeing something very, very obvious for them. Now, here's how this applies to you. I'll give you an example. For many of you, you have this, this goal, and it's a good goal, that you want to read more of the Bible. But you can't just say, oh, I, I want to read the Bible more, or I'm going to read the Bible every single day, or I'm going to read the Bible all the way through. Again, while that's a great goal to have, what you need to do is take this goal and make it very, very obvious. How can you make reading God's Word obvious? Well, learn from the British researchers there. Determine, this is the time that I'm going to do it and the place that I'm going to do it. So maybe for you, it's every morning at 7 a.m. on my sofa, I'm going to read God's Word. Or every night at 10 p.m. before I go to bed, I'm going to go into my home office and I'm going to read God's Word. And by the way, the time doesn't actually have to be a specific time. It could be a part of a routine that you already have. So for example, maybe in the morning your routine is you get up, you get showered, you get dressed, then you eat breakfast. What you can do here is now just insert Bible reading into a routine that you already have. So now it's, I get up, I get showered, I get dressed, I read my Bible, then I eat breakfast. I've heard some people, in fact, some people even here from Exponential, that have said, no Bible, no breakfast. So they, they've made this whole thing of reading the Bible a part of that routine. And they know that until, or I can't eat my breakfast until I've read God's Word. That's a great way to do it. Here's another thing you could do. If something like eating breakfast is something you do every single day without fail, you can do what's called habit stacking. Habit stacking is simply this. Take something you already do every single day without fail and then try to put your new habit on top of it. So if eating breakfast is something you do every single day, then just make reading your Bible a part of that routine of eating breakfast. So what you'll do is before you go to bed at night, you actually lay your Bible there right next to your cereal bowl or whatever it is that you have. You lay it right there. And what have you done? You've made it very, very obvious. You've given yourself a visual cue that now, as soon as you see it laying there, you're like, okay, I've got to read this. That leads to the response. And of course, you get the reward from reading God's Word, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Don't underestimate this whole thing that I'm talking about of how, how valuable it is uh, of what you see, of making something very obvious that you see it. Uh, let me give you another example. If you want to have a, a habit of, of exercising every single day when you get home from work, why, lay, lay out your, your exercise clothes there on your bed. So in the morning before you leave, just lay them out there on your bed. That way, when you get home, you walk into your bedroom. What do you see there? You see your exercise clothes. And that is the cue that you need then that will get you to say, okay, I'm going to respond by putting on the exercise clothes and now actually working out. Again, don't underestimate how valuable what you see is. Did you know that your body has 11 million sensory perceptors? You know what I'm talking about there, right? That we have the five senses. We have what? Sight, uh, sound, smell, taste, and touch. 11 million sensory receptors, 10 million of those have to do with what it is that you see. So sight is so, so important. Identify what it is that you want to have as your new habit and then make it very, very obvious by making it in a way that you can see it. 
So let me, real quick, I'll give you a preview of next week and then a little bit of today then too. If you're trying to lose weight, look around your environment there at home. Take the cookies off the counter. Instead, replace it with fruit. Because now, what you see is going to prompt you then to do the right response. But as long as that cookie is lying there, that's a cue that your brain goes, oh, cookie, reward. And without even thinking about it, you get a craving for it, and you reach out, and you take it, you eat it, and you just keep these bad habitual patterns going. So if you want to get into new habits, new patterns, you've got to make it obvious. Get it somewhere that you can see it. And this is anything, anything. Make it as obvious as what you possibly can. Here's point number two then. How can I make this new habit easy? How can I make this new habit easy? Now, let me be very, very clear. I'm not saying that you should only choose to do easy things. I'm saying when you start a new habit, you should try to make it as easy as what you possibly can. Again, it may be something that's really, really hard. But how can you make this hard thing easy to start out? And this goes contrary to the way many people think, especially those of us that have like a type A personality. You know, because like for me, anytime I get involved in doing something new, right away my mind goes to, how can we do this the biggest and the best that it's ever been done? You know, for example, if I wanted to start like running, right away my mind would go to, how can I run a marathon? But that's a horrible, horrible goal to have on day one. You know what a, a good goal for day one is? A good goal is to say, man, I just want to lace up the tennis shoes, get out the door and run a couple hundred yards. That's a great first goal. We've got to get some small victories under our belt at first. We've got to make it easy. Now, I know for those of you that are followers of Jesus, some of you, when you hear that word, make it easy, you're feeling uncomfortable about that because you're going, but wait a second, as Christians, we shouldn't settle for the easy thing. You know, we should be striving to do the very best that we can. And yes, we should be striving to do the very best that we can. But I want to look at something that Jesus said, and then I'll give you the context of why it is that he said it. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says this, If you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you. Put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The context here is that the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were trying to put burdens on people. They were trying to make it as hard and difficult as possible for people to actually follow after God. But then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, no, it shouldn't be that way. He says, in fact, if you'll yoke yourself to me, remember yoke is that, that piece of farm equipment that you put over the uh, two like animals, you know, two oxen or two horses. You put it over, to, uh, over their necks together so that they work together. Jesus says, if you'll work with me, if you'll yoke yourself to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to make life easier for you, not harder for you. And so again, I'm not saying that life is always going to be easy or you should only strive after easy things. What I'm saying is you need to trust Jesus in the process and you need to allow him to help you make it easy, easy, easy as it possibly can be. So you need to do your part and make your new goals as easy as possible to start with. So for example, maybe you do want to read the Bible more. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read my Bible for one hour every single day. Well, that's too much to start with. 
say, you know what, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read my Bible five minutes every single day. Some of you are going, that still sounds hard. Okay, then make it one minute per day. Or like with exercise, and I've shared this illustration before. Instead of saying, I'm going to start doing 100 push-ups, make it your goal that every single day I'm going to do one push-up. And that's the goal. That's the victory. As long as I do one push-up every single day, then I've met my goal. And what you're going to discover is that by getting down to do one push-up or by sitting and reading one minute of your Bible per day, it's actually going to motivate you to do more. You'll have a craving to do more. Your response is you'll do more. Cue craving response and reward. What I'm talking about here is called Micro Goals, and there's another book that you can read called Many Habits that came out many years ago. And it talks about how important these micro goals are. That we can't set our standards so high. We've got to start really, really small. The, the very bare minimum. And that that is what motivates us to do more. And I know I've shared this illustration with you before. It's the thing of cleaning the house. Nobody wants to clean the house. And so what a lot of times you'll do is you're like, okay, I'm just going to clean like the the kitchen sink. But what happens after you clean the kitchen sink? You go, all right, now I've got motivation, and I'll do a little bit more, and it motivates you to do a little bit more. So actually, it's not motivation that leads to response. It's response that leads to motivation. And so little micro goals. Never underestimate the value of what little small changes in your life can do. It's so, so important. Little small changes done repeatedly can transform your life. In that book that I was talking about, Many Habits, there was an illustration, and I read that book many years ago, so this isn't exactly the way the, the story went, but it's the basic gist of it. But there was a guy that the author was writing about. He was like 450 pounds. I mean, big, big guy. One of the, the types of people that like just never even got out of bed every single day eventually got to the place where he was sick and tired of it. And he said, I need to lose this weight. But to be 450 pounds and think about losing, you know, the type of weight that you would need in order to get back to a healthy weight, that's just so overwhelming to think about. And so he had read about this thing called micro goals or these little small habits that you could do. And so he made it a goal that every single day, his goal was just to get out of bed. That was it. Just get out of bed. And he started doing that every single day until getting out of bed became a habit. The next uh, little tiny goal that he had was just to get dressed. So now he had this habit of getting out of bed, actually putting clothes on. He did that for a little while. Now, at some point, you know, you, you got to try to start to lose, lose the weight. So, of course, your mind goes to, I need to join a gym. But even that thought of going to a gym and working out, that was just so overwhelming for him. So what this guy did was he started, you know, he was already doing this new habit of getting out of bed, getting dressed. Every single day, he would just drive to the gym and then immediately drive back home. He didn't even go in. He just would drive to the gym and come back home until that became a habit for him to do that. Eventually, once that was a habit, he said, you know what? The next step is to walk into the gym. His, his goal wasn't even to do any exercises once he was in. He would drive to the gym. He would walk in the front door, walk immediately right back out, get in his car, and drive home. 
until that became a habit. Eventually then, once that was a habit, he signed up for a gym membership, and you can see how this progression kept going. It was to go in and just do one exercise. Not just like a whole set or anything, just do like one repetition on one of the machines. And then he would go back home. And that became a habit. And then he just kept adding more and more and more and more. And over the course of about a two-year period, he actually shed all the pounds and got back to a healthy weight. So let me say it to you again. Don't underestimate how one small change done repeatedly can transform your life. Now, I'd be remiss to say this. God does want a big change for you to happen in your life, and that is for you to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be the leader of your life, give him full control of your life. And that is, that's huge. When you make that change, his spirit now comes and lives in you. That's massive. But other than that major change, every other change that you're going to make is little, small, next steps that God is asking you to take. So again, question number one was, how can I make this habit obvious? Question number two is, how can I make it easy? Question number three then is, how can I do this new habit in community with others? I cannot overemphasize enough how having the right people around you is going to be a major influence on whether you're able to get new habits started or not. Let me illustrate it for you this way. Imagine you are going to the gym, but yet you're the only one at the gym that's actually working out. Every other person at the gym is just sitting there eating donuts and drinking coffee. That wouldn't be very easy for you, would it? That wouldn't be very motivating watching you know, other people just sitting around. And so having the right people around you is so, so key. In fact, God has been talking about this for a long time. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Who you surround yourself with makes a huge difference. And I'm not talking about, because many are going, yeah, I got a lot of friends. I'm not talking about friends. I'm talking about having the right kind of friends in your life. The kinds of friends that are going to help you to become who it is that you wanted to become, as we talked about in that previous chart. Who is it that you want to become? And are the people that you're surrounding yourself like who it is that you want to become? Because if they're not, they're going to lead you into bad habits instead of leading you towards good habits. If you want better health, if you want a better marriage, if you want better finances, if you want to be better spiritually, hang around the right types of people. This is one of the reasons we encourage you to be a part of a life group here at Exponential. You need to surround yourself with other people. They're not perfect. They don't have it all together. But you need to surround yourself with people that they're trying to do the same thing that you're doing. And that is trying to become more and more and more like Jesus. You're going, well... Man, this whole pandemic, we can't even meet together as a life group right now. Let me introduce you to a thing called Zoom. (laughs) Just because you can't get together in person doesn't mean you can't still be getting together with one another, encouraging one another, holding one another accountable. Zoom, there's, you know, Facebook Messenger, there's, there's all kinds of things that you can do to still get together and create community with one another online and help to, to form these new habits that you so desperately want. All right, so again, how do we go from cue, craving, response, and reward? How how do we do all that? Well, we've got to make our new habit obvious. We've got to make it easy. We need to do it in community with one another. Now, in the back half here of the message, I want to talk to you about something that I think is a habit that all of us should get started. It's called a a keystone habit. And on your outline, I, I put it this way. Keystone habits are small habits that have a domino effect, improving many other areas of life as well. 
You see, not all habits are created equal. What researchers have found is these things called keystone habits. There's about a dozen of them or so. These are habits that, look, if you get these 12 habits in your life, then all the other hundreds of habits that you should have will start to fall in place. That's why they say it's like a, a domino. Get one of them going and other things in your life start to fall for you. So let me give you a couple of examples of keystone habits. One is eating dinner together as a family. That's a very simple thing to do. Eat dinner together as a family. And what the researchers have found is when you have this keystone habit, it just starts to make other habits and things in your life just start to come together. They found that kids have higher grades and that for the entire family, they have more emotional control and confidence. Here's another keystone habit. Exercising at least three times every single week. What the researchers have found is when you have the, the keystone habit of exercise at least three times a week, other habits fall in place. That you eat better, you sleep better, you have lower stress levels. And here's a surprising one, you actually spend your money better. You're going, what would exercise and spending money, how are they even related? Why would exercise lead me to spend money better? Well, it's quite simple if you think about it. If you're having the discipline to exercise, that means you're going to have more discipline in other areas, including in how you spend your money. And if you're being disciplined in exercise, that means you're probably being more health conscious, which means you're going to spend your money better on the foods that you're, that you're buying. Instead of spending and wasting all the money on junk foods and stuff, you're going to make better choices in how you spend your money there. Now, there is one surprising keystone habit in the group of 12, and it's not surprising because it's on the list. It's surprising because, keep in mind, these are secular researchers that put this on the list. And it's simply this. Here's how they said it. Having a daily spiritual time of reflection. One of the keystone habits that even secular researchers say that you need to have is daily spiritual time of reflection. The Apostle Paul, he knew about this. He knew the importance of, of time in God's Word and in prayer. And he was talking to his young protege, the guy he was discipling. The guy's name was Timothy. And he writes this to, to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. What Paul is saying is, look, if you want a better marriage, if you want better health, if you want to do better in your finances, if you want to be a better worker, if you want to be a better parent, if you want less stress, then you got to get this keystone habit down of spending daily time in God's Word. Get this keystone habit down. So Paul says it, and other research has said the same thing. This is Christian research. There's been two major Christian organizations in the past two decades or so now that have done massive, massive research projects. In fact, each project had over 400,000 participants from right here in the United States. And they wanted to discover what is the number one key for how it is that people grow spiritually. And so they did all this research, and what they found is that people who spend four times a week, at least, in God's Word, they are 30% less lonely, they have 32% less destructive thoughts, they're 228% more likely to share their faith, they're 62% less uh, addicted to alcohol, they have 59% less porn use, and 45% less gambling addiction. 
being in God's word at least four times a week is so powerful. In fact, what they found in the research is being in God's word is two times greater than any other spiritual habit that you could have. So you've got to get in God's word. Now, the question is, why is it that this is so important? Well, it's quite simple. The more you read God's word, the more his thoughts are going to start to become your thoughts. And I've shared this with you in series before, and I shared this actual scripture with you last week in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that as you start to think better, as you have better thoughts, better thinking leads to better decisions, and better decisions lead to better outcomes. Let me say that again. The more you're in here, the more God's thoughts become your thoughts. And when you have God's thoughts, that's going to lead to better thinking. Better thinking leads to better decisions. Better decisions lead to better outcomes. So getting in God's word every single day is so important. So here's my challenge for you. Here's my challenge. I want you this week to get into God's word every single day. Even if it's just for one minute. Get in God's word every single day. And keep in mind some of the things that we talked about here today and how to get new habits started. Make it obvious, make it easy, do it in community with one another. And the easiest way I can think to do that is through a simple app that you can download for free on your phone. It's called YouVersion. Many of you already have it, but YouVersion, it's also called the Bible app. Um, it is an amazing, amazing thing that will allow you to do all the things that I talked about here today. In fact, this is how I now read my devotional uh, time in, in the Bible. You see, I've gotten into the bad habit, like many of you, as cell phones have become more and more prevalent, that I put my cell phone right next to my bed, and in the morning, the first thing I do when I wake up is I reach out and I grab my cell phone, and you know, I barely got my eyes open. But the bad habit was I would see Facebook notifications or emails or there'd be text messages, things that I needed to respond to right away. And I would sometimes get in the bad habit of not spending time in God's Word, devotionally. You know, I'm in God's Word every single day as a part of being a pastor, but that's my work life. But like you, I need to have times that God's speaking to me, not God speaking to me of what I need to be speaking to you. I need God to be changing and transforming my life. And so what I was finding was that sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. And so what I did was I said, you know what, I'm going to download the version app, and here's what I do now. Every night before I go to bed, I open up my phone and I close every single app that's on my phone, except for version. And I go ahead and I open it up to what scripture it is that I'm going to be reading the next day. I lay my phone beside the bed. So that way now, when I wake up in the morning, I reach over and just by habit now, I grab the phone and I power it on without even thinking about it. What's the first thing that I see? I see God's word. I've made it obvious and I've made it easy right there. It's sitting there for me. The same thing that I said to you earlier that, you know, if you're going to do yours with, you know, eating your breakfast and you're going to actually have your Bible there, go ahead and open it up to the scripture that you want to read that morning. So you got to make it obvious. You got to make it very, very easy and the other thing that's cool about version is that you can do it in community. There are literally hundreds of Bible plans and thousands of devotionals that you can do there on version. And every time you sign up for a new reading plan or a new devotional, one of the questions that it'll ask you is, hey, would you like to allow others to see that you're doing this? And so like other social media types of things, you're allowed to have friends. 
And so you can friend people from here at Exponential or other Christians that you know. And anytime that you're doing a new reading plan, they'll be able to see it. So I would encourage you, get together with you know, some of the people in your life group or get together with some other people here at Exponential and decide that, you know what, we're going to do a reading plan together. And that's going to help to hold you accountable for what you're doing. And it's going to help to encourage you and have other people encourage you in what it is that you're doing. Again, you got to make it obvious. You got to make it easy. You need to do this all in community with other people. Now, the other thing I want to recommend to you that's going to be really helpful in this new habit of, of reading God's Word is go to a website. It's called The Bible Project. And so the, the website is bibleproject.com. And what you're going to find there is these six to eight minute videos that are like highly, highly just entertaining and very, very engaging. And what they've done here, and I've shared this with you in the past, the context is so important. So often, you know, when I'm about to share a passage of scripture with you, I say, before I share the passage with you, let me give you the context of what this is all about. And so that's what these videos do. In each video, what they've done is they've taken each of the 66 books of the Bible and they say, before you read any one of those books, watch this little video because it's going to give you the context. So on the screen here, you're going to see that, you know, the example of Matthew. Um, so before you read the actual gospel of Matthew, what this video is going to do is walk you through sort of a cartoon that they've created. And it tells you who wrote it, in this case, obviously Matthew, when Matthew wrote it, why Matthew wrote it, what the structure is of the entire book. And it's just so fascinating. And what it's going to do is it's going to help God's word come alive to you. And it's going to make it so, so much easier for you to actually understand what it is that you're reading. Now, as I wrap up here today, one of the things I want to say to you is that you got to keep in mind what we talked about last week, that one day of reading God's Word or even one week of reading God's Word probably isn't going to change you in major, major ways. You, you just got to keep consistently doing it. Remember last week we talked about that we have expectations that new habits are going to change like this, but the actual thing is it starts like this and then all of a sudden you have that exponential growth. And we talked about that valley of disappointment that's in there, that you got to be willing to walk through the valley of disappointment. Same way with God's Word. Just keep reading it day after day after day after day, even if it's just one minute per day. Keep reading it. And all of a sudden, you're going to see that His Word's going to come alive to you and that His thoughts become your thoughts. It's going to change your thinking. It's going to lead you to make better decisions. It's going to lead to better outcomes. And so what are we really talking about here? We're talking about this, cue, craving, response, and reward. That you make God's word very, very obvious. The cue, you see it. That's going to give you a hunger for more and more of who is this God that I'm following? And what is it that he wants me to do in my life? And your response is, all right, he's given me the roadmap for it. He's given me an instruction manual. And so I'm going to respond by reading it. And the reward is you'll become more like Jesus. And you'll start to have the habits of Jesus. And you'll start to see the blessings and the benefits of following Jesus. So you can start new habits this year. And again, I would encourage you, start with this keystone habit of God's Word every single day. Because when this domino falls, then all of a sudden your marriage and your relationships and your parenting and your finances and your anger and your frustration and your anxiety, all those other dominoes are going to start to fall as well. So you can do this. Cue, craving, response, and reward. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and this time that we've had together. We thank you that there is not only wisdom in your word, but you've allowed others just to see how it is you've even created our bodies and in this whole thing of science and psychology and everything. It's just all a part of, of who you are. Every ology, bio, uh, biology and, 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 and astrology and, and astronomy and, and all, those, all those ologies, they all are pointing back to you that we all learn from theology. And so, God, I just, I thank you that you have given wisdom to many people that are able to tell us, okay, here's what's happening in your body. Here's what's happening in your brain. And that we're able to learn from those things and we're able to learn from your word and make the changes that you would have us to make. And so, Lord, we, we discovered that we're already creatures of habit. We already know how to start new habits. But help us now to be intentional about starting new habits that are glorifying and pleasing to you. Jesus, thank you that because we have your spirit living inside of us, it becomes so much easier. That you give us the power, you give us the strength to do the things that we don't think we could possibly ever do. And so we will never, ever fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for doing all these things. Thank you again, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.